Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And Courtney, how are you? Hot. I am so hot. It, it has been the worst week of the year so far. By far. By far. Like... We had a couple of heat advisories. I'm saying this. I was like, last year we had like so many. It was like every other weekend, I felt like. And this year it hasn't been as many. And they've, but they've only lasted for like two, three days max. This has been all week long, but it has been like over 90. And so my apartment has just turned into like an oven. And it hasn't been like I couldn't air it out because the outside is also bad. Like there's no like, so mm-hmm. I was telling MK earlier, I was like, I just slept all day today, which is why we're recording in, like the middle of the night. I mean, it's like eight o'clock. It's not like the middle of the night, but it feels like it. Yeah. Because um, I was like, she was like, do you want to record? And I was like, let's record when it's dark. It's like when I'm not battling both my like apartment light and the sun. Yeah. So, um, but but other than the the heat wave and that is burning down the entire earth, um, I have some very exciting news for, for friends in the Long Island area or or New York area, but like specifically Long Island area. If you're listening, okay. um, we just put Caitlin's first festival appearance. Yay! And I'm so stoked because I reached out to them six months ago and heard back yesterday, and it's in two weeks, which made me want to kill myself a little bit. But it's fine; we figured it out. Okay, um, good. But she's playing at the Gallery North Arts Fest from three to five on September twenty fourth. So. If y'all are around, it looks super chill. I've never been, obviously. But uh, it's going to have live music, arts and crafts, and uh, ounce of talk it. So should be a, it should be a swell time, and I'm super stoked. It made me feel like I uh, actually am not a terrible manager. So yeah. that's exciting. Um, so I'm, I'm having mixed feelings about life right now. I want to bird. I'm, like, birding alive, but also thrilled about this, this show that's happening in a couple of weeks. So how are you? I am tired. Um, it is the first week of school. <laughs> um, and also, my school does not have air conditioning. Yeah, I don't. I still don't get that. You can tell me however many times you want. I'll never understand it. And this week, well, here's the thing. We have heat. We're in school for mostly winter months. It's like the last two weeks of school and the first two weeks of school are the only times when it really matters that we don't have air. And that's the the school opened in 1944. Like it right. wasn't built in a way that was good for, that could have air conditioning. Um, but um, on Tuesday... I went into my classroom at 6.15 because I wanted to do work in my classroom before the sun came out. And by 8 o'clock in the morning, I needed a shower already. Like that, that's where we're at. Um, the first day of school was so hot, I wanted to die. Um, but I explained to my sixth graders the difference between heat and humidity. And then the next day, it had cooled down like maybe 5 degrees because it was raining. But, you know, when it's hot and it's raining and how it's really not that much better. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my six graders comes in and just goes, oh, Mesotic, what's the humidity today? I said 94%. And he goes, no wonder I want to die. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. learning. 
teaching them young. Um, but it was a, it was it was a weird week. This is a weird school year. Everything's weird. Um, but it it was good. It was it was good. I'm just so tired because I'm not used to this life. I slept all summer. Right. And now I will never sleep again. Right. My, sis- my sister asked me when we could do something this month, and I literally looked at my calendar and was like, Not maybe, the, maybe the 28th. <laughs> yeah. It's the 9th, for those of you who don't know when we're recording this. Right, right. Like, um, <laughs> it's going to yeah. be a while. It's going to be a... It's going to be a month for you. Yeah, because this episode will come out on the 17th. So, like, that doesn't feel as as obnoxious. But, yeah, it's um, like, oh, that's like a week and a half from now. Like, okay, I'm just, like, packed for this week. No, no, they, it's the month. Yeah. And actually, that day is not even correct that I said. I know it's not the 28th that I'm free. It no, is. Because no, that's, like, a Thursday. Yeah, if it's a Thursday, <laughs> definitely. Because the 24th is a Sunday. Oh, no, it is. It is um, the 26th, that Tuesday. I might mm. have the evening free. Um, and no, I don't. That's my bad. Just kidding. It is Thursday. It's Thursday the 28th. Oh, it is. good. You nailed it. You nailed it. I nailed it. That's the next time I have the evening free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to like set up meetings this week, and um, one of my clients texted me, and she's like, what day are you free? And I'm like, next Thursday? at four i was like that's when i'm free are you free then she's like yeah so i was like great great good (laughs) yeah no it's it's a time um but so other than very busy and very tired i am doing well um my students i let them vote on what books to read first this year um just to shake it up and also like see what they were interested in and my eighth graders unanimously chose to read charles dickens great expectations because well nikki wanted to read it because pip was named after that so he understands that that is an important book to me um the rest of them said oh all the characters are awful people we're in i mean what a though like (laughs) To be fair, I'm reading a book right now called Bad Summer People, and all of the characters are awful. And then at yeah. some point, I think someone dies. But I'm like 60% through, and like no one's died yet, so I don't know what's going on. But like, mm. that's why I'm reading this book. So, I mean, 20 years later, 24, I don't know how old your class people are. Um, they're Seven, eighth eight graders. Ish. They're eighth graders. Oh, so, like, like 13, like 12, yeah. 13, yeah. So, like, roughly 20 years later, I still feel the exact same way. Like, give me the book with all the terrible people in it, so. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Since sometimes everyone is a terrible person, we need some spiritual guidance in our lives. Um, And how how can you help us with that today, Courtney? Well, I'm here to provide some guidance for you. Um, And it's what we all need to hear today, as in me and you at least. Never be afraid to fall apart because it is an opportunity to rebuild yourself the way you wish you had been all along. Ray Smith. R-A-E. Don't Don't worry. I take that advice uh, at least once a month. Yep. I, uh, yep. (laughs) Um, well, weirdly, falling apart and rebuilding actually makes sense with this episode. It does. Which, 
I don't think you did on purpose. I did not. I, I did watch the episode first, but I did not connect the dots. Oh, yeah. Until you just said it. So, uh, so this episode is Stargate SG-1, Season 4, Episode 9. It is called Scorched Earth. Um, it came out on August 25th, 2000. It was rated 7.6 stars. Um, the same number one book from last week was the number one. The number one song was Doesn't Really Matter by Janet Jackson. I don't particularly know that one. I don't know. Um, and then the number one movie was another movie that premiered that day because we're talking Fridays in the summer. Um, but this one, um, made me, I, actually gasped out loud and then had an existential crisis about my age um because the number one movie on august 25th 2000 oh no was bring it on that is one of my my favorite movies of all time mm -hmm. it is one of the best i fell in love with a uh, eliza douche Dush, can you Dush, eliza douche yeah Dush, i always say her last name wrong Ugh the the best she's truly like one of the best yeah but that was the day it came out so that was 23 years ago that's cool <laughs> great i love that we're old see i told you christopher judge every week every week we ask ourselves every how the week. fuck did we get this old um on this day um I really couldn't find a lot of things that happened other than bring it on coming out. Um, but so pa important. Patrick Stewart got married, um, oh. but then he got divorced in 2003. So like, it didn't really matter immediately. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and Carl Barks, um, who was an animator passed away that day at 99 years old. He's really important because he created Scrooge McDuck. Oh, Yeah. That's so nice. But and he he lived a long happy life. He died at 99. So oh, I love that. Cuz he was born in 1901. Sure. I mean, you know, when Scrooge McDuck came out, he had to at least have been more than like one or two to have created him. Right. But still, could you imagine being alive in 1901? No. I can't even imagine that I was alive in 2001 sometimes. I was literally about to say that. I was like, I don't even know what that was like. And I was there. So <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, this episode does not have a lot of newbies on the team. It was directed by Martin Wood, written by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully, and edited by Alan Lee. So everybody's back. Um, Joseph and Paul are new-ish, but not brand new. We talked about them a couple weeks ago. Um, the guest star. Um, what guest star? The guest star. Um, bless you. Sorry, there I'm was. So sorry. It's okay. There was quite <laughs> a few to choose from this time because there was. But um, I chose uh, Brian Markinson, who played Lotan. Um, he is known for the movie Shooter, um, the show Continuum, and something called Wolf. Um. But he is one of those guys. He's got 164 credits and has been on one or two episodes of every show anyone has ever watched. Right. Um, he... Honestly, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Like, you get to be involved in all of these fun projects. And you 
probably make plenty to survive on, I would imagine. But See, that's the thing is, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know that you do, especially with where we like, are with to survive on. I mean, to survive. Yeah. If you're doing like 40 shows a year. Like each one's paying you at least enough to have a good, like, I'm not saying you're rich. You're not a millionaire. You're not, yeah. worried about, but you also have to like deal with all the crap everyone else has to deal with being paid. Yeah. Like, I just, I just feel like based on the number of TV stations that replay nothing but law and order every person who's ever been in an episode of law and order should be a billionaire like uh, at this point i don't think people were paid well to be a law and order if i had to guess though that's not yeah. one i would have guessed that you got like no I like this role he probably got paid a bit more for than like being on law and oh order. yeah yeah no but i'm just saying like and re- singing as residuals and residuals, the correct yeah. payment of residuals as part of this whole strike and why we don't have new tv um like like yesterday was star trek day because um CBS was playing Star Trek Strange New Worlds on the channel instead of only on Paramount. Um, And Dan was like, oh, it's so exciting because they're going to play it on regular TV because they have nothing else to play because they have no new content, which is kind of exactly what the strike is about. So it defeats the purpose anyway, but it's fine. (laughs) It's like... Yeah, I was talking to that. There's We have a new guy who started working in our UK office who seems lovely. Um... But we've only spoken on Teams and like I've waved at him on a webinar. Um, yeah. But like he was telling me about, we were talking about books and he was saying that Bosch is one of his favorite series. And he was like, I really liked the TV show too. I was like, oh, you know, I haven't really watched it yet. I was like, maybe I'll add it to like one of my upcoming lists. And he was like, yeah, it's a great fall winter show. I was like, well, that's good because, you know, we don't have any new TV over here. Like, I'm sure you guys have better TV for there coming out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, because um, the British, the British actors unions are not in the middle of a crisis. Right. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Um, but he also, um, I found his Instagram and I was looking at it, and um, he directed a production of David Ives' Venus, Venus and Furs in Vancouver, British Columbia last year. That looked really fascinating, and I really wanted. What? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a play. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was on Broadway, like. 10 years ago, I think. Mm, before my time. Yes. Uh, but it was before your time, but when I was still in college, so I knew everything that was on Broadway, but I was yeah. too poor to see anything that was on Broadway. Um, yes. But yeah, he, that was like the, he had like nothing recent on his Instagram. His most recent posts were all from this show from last November. So I was like, I only talked about it because it was literally the only thing on his Instagram. <laughs> Well, you know, he's living his life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we we start this episode in a settlement with, of a village, and they're having a celebration feast and thanking SG-1 for finding a planet for them. Um, they are the Encarans, which <laughs> I laughed so hard. Um Yesterday, Courtney texted me while I was at work and said, I have no recollection of the Encarans. And I said, that's because you've never met them. Yeah, I'm um, like, and I, I don't trust my memory already because I do forget a lot. Yeah. And I was like, so I was like, I, this had to have been something I did. No, obviously not. No, well, because we've never met them. But two episodes ago, um, Watergate, we were talking about what the plant the t 
teams that were off world were doing when we couldn't get the gate to open back up. And what the missing teams were doing was scouting for a planet that had a suitable atmosphere for the Encarans to live on. That's my, that was my relation. I was that's supposed to collect back that's to the it. only reference we've had. Not a chance. Not a chance. I would have no, no, no. Zero percent of people. Not. I wouldn't say zero. I'd say less than ten percent of people caught that the first time through this show. Yeah. Um. Like to the point where it's a trivia, and also I found a Reddit post about people talking about things that they only caught on rewatches. Like, <laughs> so you are not insane. There was no way you would have remembered that. But they don't. <laughs> They're not introduced in a way where it's necessary for you to have known that. It's the yeah. same as like most of the people we met in season one, where we didn't know anything about them, but we showed up as if we were halfway through a story with them. Yeah. Um, I just thought they were like, yeah, these are our people. And they're like naming people after Jack. I'm like, we've met them before, I guess. And I don't know who they are. Like, Yeah, they were naming people after Jack. And like halfway through the episode, Jack says something about how we've been living with these people for months. And you're like, what yeah. the fuck? I was like, we absolutely have not. I have been here and we have not been with them for months. So I don't know where you've been that I've, I've not been, Jack. But um, In the SGC is where he was that you yeah. were not. And the Amparans were also there. Fair, so. fair. Uh, um, but yes, so um, Hazada, I think, has a, has a, I don't know how to say her name. The leader of the, I'm just going to call her Hez because I don't fucking remember how to say her name. Um, so the leader of the Amparans has is um her grandchild is going to be the first and karen born on this planet and so they're going to name it after uh jack which like hopefully it's a boy you know girls named jack my the, my friend jacqueline that i work with she goes by jack yeah jack van just she goes by jack no I just was thinking about the fact that she says, we'll name it after you, Colonel. And all I was thinking of was the fact that they were going to name the baby Colonel. Colonel. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't <laughs> name it Colonel. Yeah. No. Um, and um, they're talking about preparing for winter and like what technology they're going to use because the planet's a little bit colder than they want it to be. But apparently it was really hard to find a planet that had the correct atmosphere for these people. Um when this guy just comes rushing into the village screaming for help and um he's like it's so big it's so big and uh first dan said that's what she said <laughs> and i wanted to punch him and then he said i really thought this was going to be one of those moments where like people are freaking out about how large something is and it's really not but that that is big yeah <laughs> because a fucking massive like three building wide spaceship yeah. is in the sky just raining fire down and destroying everything yeah it's not it's not great it's not great and um it killed his entire village and now it's headed for this one <laughs> and then we get the credits starting out strong oh yeah um Back at base, they're having a conversation with Hammond about the situation. And this is where we learn the background information of why this planet is so important. So basically, the Ankarans are a species of people who were farmed by the Gawold, but they were found 
by a Gaul ship and taken from their home planet centuries, millennia ago, whatever. Yeah. And their home planet does not have a Stargate. So they don't have a home world. And they have a very specific physiology where any amount of radiation in the air at all causes them to slowly degenerate, starting with blindness, but eventually dying. Um, Dang. Like, even Earth's radiation, too much for them. I feel like that's me. I'm starting with blindness and slowly deteriorating, so. <laughs> Should have known these people. They're my people. So. <laughs> um... And the particular ozone density of this planet um, is, like, the only planet that they have been able to find that has a Stargate in any way, shape, or form that these people can live at. Um, and their only other option would be to try to find their original homeworld, but it doesn't have a gate, so that's not very likely. Um and based on the size of this spaceship, it appears that evacuation is the only option, but they have nowhere to evacuate them to. Yay. Um, yeah, right? Yeah, I was like, are we um, about to, like, up, up this entire, like, land and just take it back to Earth and start their own little section of Earth? Like, where else are we going to put them? Although I know, like, you're saying with the radiation stuff, but, like, that's the closest thing it seems to their home planet, right? Like, yeah, but like, look at how badly, like, how much more blind they've all been going just from the time, the month that they were on Earth. Yeah. So. Mm. But like, um, it's bad or like raining showers of fire, I mean. Right. Um, you know. But then we also find out that they could only handle Earth for a few days. And based on the amount of time they have left and how long it took them to move these people to this planet in the first place, um, they can't all be saved. So even if they evacuated them to Earth, someone would die. Great. It's a lose-lose situation. Um, so they're trying to brainstorm what to do. And Sam is doing some science stuff, as she does. And she finds out that the planet seems to be being terraformed by an alien life form that is sulfur-based rather than carbon-based. And so um, everything that this spaceship is raining down is basically a way to recreate a whole different atmosphere. And once it finishes, everything, everything that is alive as we know it will be dead. And um, I went off on a tangent in my brain at this point because in like every fucking sci-fi show and in real life anytime people like meet aliens or talk about the possibility of life on other planets everything is centered based on a carbon-based life form. Like, mm -hmm. all of these planets were like, we're the only planet in our solar system that can sustain life. False. We're the only planet in our solar system that can, can, can sustain a carbon-based life form. Mm -hmm. 
But we don't even have the faintest fucking idea what other kinds of life forms there could be. Right. Yeah, I uh, I was... Yeah, they, and they kept saying it. It was like they wanted to like beat it into you. And I was like, this is not a great argument for you to have and you just keep pushing more into it because I, I i felt like i was i was watching it at work and i was like how many times are they going to tell me that it's carbon based like and that all these different places are carbon based and there's there are other options and i feel like i don't know is everywhere we've been like carbon based life forms is that like a yeah consistency? or yeah have we well stuff that's because not, like because anything that any planet that we as human beings would be able to breathe on would have to have a life or an oxygen level based on a carbon-based life forms like we need the the correct combination of gases in our environment to be able to breathe but like i just mean more like like scientists like when nasa is like the only planet in the milky way that can sustain life and like Mars may be used to, but now the temperature is too cold. But I'm like, but you are doing all of this based on the idea that everything that is alive is carbon based. Yeah. But like, what if it's not? You don't fucking know. Yeah. We well, think the Earth was flat. Well, they and because learn things. <laughs> so um, on Wednesday at school, it was the first day of school, and we had nothing to do, and so my kids wanted to like do a talk about animals because they do that sometimes and they were asking about animals that are intelligent and we were reading this list and we were going through all these things that like are um like chimpanzees and bonobos and like the things that they can do and i literally was like you guys have to understand that this list and the things that they're talking about what it means by intelligent is based solely on human intelligence like what can these animals do that we consider to show signs of intelligence because like i will never understand the life cycle of a fucking house fly i won't i will never it for us as humans it is not useful to anything that we need so in right. our brains it is not intelligent but that doesn't mean that they're like and i just went i spiraled when she said it was a sulfur-based life form, I spiraled into the ideas of sentience and, and like, life forms and intelligences and how we even fucking classify anything. The, I spiraled when she said sulfur-based because I was like, well, it's not really, like, livable for us anyways. But I was like, Rachel would immediately die. She's allergic to sulfur. So then I started going off on this spiral of, like, what other life forms could exist based off of like people's allergies like sulfur and all these and i was like this is <laughs> i just like spiral a shellfish based life form um but that's like carbon based that's like that's our that's our life our yeah life. but like yeah. i was thinking like sulfur like what are the th there's like the three major like antibiotic groups of like sulfur based mm -hmm. and then like uh, uh penicillin based like i'm allergic to penicillin and mm -hmm. so like all these different things yeah but i don't i don't know that penicillin i don't i mean but i guess because like i guess like, i'm not a science person i don't understand what my brain is coming up with so it's very possible that all these things make no sense but somebody's gonna listen to this podcast one day and be like wow they really have no fucking idea what they're talking about um <laughs> look we never we never said we did. We only said we vaguely do. We, yeah, we never, we for sure never claimed to know what we were talking about. And we definitely didn't claim to know a fucking ounce of science information. 
the oh, important part of I science thought. fiction is the fiction. Right. <laughs> Ooh, um, we are good at that part, though. Um, oh, but so Jack and Daniel go back to the planet to um, find out that all of the people have decided they're just going to stay there. They're like, well, if you can't save all of us, we'd rather all die together than some of us survive. Fine. <laughs> At that point, I'd be like, whatever. Whatever you want. It's easier that way. If you've all just agreed to it, like, it's like a cult. But, like, for good reasons, not for, like, culty reasons. Um, yeah, I guess. But, like, as the leader of the tribe... I understand the guilt associated with like not having all of your people survive. Um, but you just want your entire species and the history of your people to disappear because like a couple of them might die. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but. But I mean, like, it feels like a cult. Like, you know, like, Jonestown, they were like, we're done. So now everyone dies. Like, that's Except how we do Is Jonestown the one where the basketball team was on an away game? Basketball team? Oh, which I don't know if there's a basketball team, but his son was away, like, recruiting. One, one of the cults had a basketball team that was, like, playing an away game. And Jonestown's so, the, the, the flavor aid people. Yeah, no, I just don't remember which cult it was. I do know that I do know that uh, what's his name his like son was away like recruiting people and it seems shady that he like sent away his like son and the A team to like recruit people so that they didn't die when they all drank their Kool-Aid oh yeah the Jonestown cult had a basketball team that were never identified and um and they but because they were at an away game and um, they were not there during the mass uh, mass survivor, like the mass suicide, and so they all survived. Um, they were I did in, not realize the basketball team. Yeah, and they were in Georgetown. Yes, yes, yeah. I knew. I knew that. I I knew all of those facts you said, except that they're a basketball team, which oh, makes yeah. it way more exciting. Yeah, they were a basketball team. That's so funny. Could you That's imagine funny. like joining a cult and then joining the cult's basketball team? Like, I mean, it's like when you're in college and you're like, are in the band and you join the band's intramural sports team. Like, it's basically the same thing. Just no one dies. So. You and I had very different college experiences. <laughs> I was I was not on any intramural sports of any kind. No, I was hardcore into volleyball intramural. And we also played just like outside games outside of intramural. And then we had a uh, football team that like I wasn't a part of but I like went to sometimes and brought snacks and ate snacks I was a a wannabe groupie for our men's volleyball team mm. yeah see yeah very different very different um, but um, the team sets up a transmitter to try to communicate with whatever is on this ship that is raining fire um, and then they try to send a signal, but instead the ship just like beams them up. Um, and uh, Sam finds it very suspicious that the ship is changing the air of the planet, yet the air on the ship is totally normal and breathable. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's shady for sure. 
It is shady. Um, also, super glad it was mentioned because otherwise that would be a plot hole. Like nobody's fucking business. Yeah. Um, then Daniel and Sam just start like opening drawers because that's what you do when you get beamed up onto a ship is just touch everything. Yeah. And um, they find tissue samples um, and it may, and they discover that it might be whatever they're trying to like regrow once this new planet is re-terraformed or transformed or whatever word you want to use for it. Um, and then Lotan arrives. And he I kept wanting ba- to call him Lotus. Mm. But I didn't. I did call him Lotan. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> it, he is a biomechanical AI creation um, that has the same physiology as the Ankarans. Um, and they the ship as a sentient automated life force created it to try to help communicate what is going on to the Ankarans so that they would leave the planet. And all of this happened in one day. Yep. Yep. The timeline in this episode is a little iffy. It's yeah. I I didn't I didn't grasp it very well because I was like, this doesn't feel right. But so, then I was like, wait, no, I think I am right. <laughs> it just doesn't so fit very well. So the timeline of what the events that happened prior to this episode are what don't make sense to me because Lotan says that when, and this is a little later in the episode, but Lotan says that they did not, that when they first scanned the planet and decided to come there, there was no sentient life. Right. But the Incarans say that they've been on this planet for a month. Right. And then Lotan says that he collected data from the Incarans, which was only a day ago. So how the fuck long has any of this been happening? I could not tell yeah. you. Yeah. Um, no idea. There, no, there, is, I, I, there is no logical way to explain the gaps in that. Yep. Um, and he says that he was created to tell the Ankarans that they had to leave because they won't be able to live in the new atmosphere. And um, Ashti starts to try to explain to them why he and why that that's not an issue and like why that's an issue and try to have this conversation. But he is, you know, basically like a walking Siri. And so he's like not really understanding. Yeah, I was like, this is great. This is early AI and we're trying to make it sentient already in 2000. I was like, yeah. I bet Daniel's looking back now regarding this. And um, Jack asks to see its superior, and it then begins to understand hierarchical command structures. Yeah, which is great. Um, so Lotan takes them to another part of the ship where he explains who he is working for and what they're doing. And so he is working with a race called the Gadmir and they are a super advanced, like way more advanced than the Ankarans race um, that fell and were basically entirely destroyed due to a military power taking over their planet. Um, And they 
basically pulled a Superman and put their entire legacy into this like spaceship and sent it off to try to find a planet that would be able to be a good place for them to like rebuild their entire society. Um, and they offer to give Daniel uh, translated copies of their entire history. I first, when they first said that to him, I was like, help me, Daniel, if you are just like, oh, I'm a linguist, no problem, I can translate it. Like, I was like, if he says this, I'm going to yeah. lose my mind. He or if he's like, let me try. Like, I was like, just take the translated versions. <laughs> right. Um, but the biggest problem is that they only had enough raw materials on a ship to do this once. Mm -hmm. So now that they've begun the transformation, they have to finish it or else um, they will never be able to rebuild their society. Right. Um, so we're at a catch 22 because um, one of these two races is going to have to die yeah. since this planet is the only planet that can have either of them. Um, yeah, we go back and they're explaining to Hammond what's going on and talking about their feelings about the matter. And Daniel's the only one who seems to care that like this spaceship is an entirely peaceful alien race that also is on the verge of extinction. And like, at first it is set up in a way where like, obviously you're supposed to be team and Karin because like, those are the ones that, you know, but like, yeah. Daniel was a hundred percent right. Like from the get go that like, you don't just get to decide that this race doesn't also get to live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and Jack is taking it all way too personally. Yeah. They were a little extra dramatic this episode for being non-dramatic at all in the last episode. Right. It was, um, it was a bit much. Um, they were acting like these people had like intermarried with the SGC and were a part of us now. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, I mean, it's like that episode where we thought we were fighting the right side and then we were shooting the good people. Like it was what, like earlier this season, you know? Oh, about? right, right, right. The Nazi episode. That wasn't a Nazi yeah. episode. Exactly. Um, but, and in this one, like I understand the Encarns are good people right. like right they don't deserve to die zero percent of me is saying that but there's no way to know like if the other side would deserve to die or not either like right. we can't automatically be like because they're against the people we know like they're not good right and the fact that they're like willing to offer you anything you want and give you any hints to what their society is like and any help to be able to interact with them despite being like species that don't breathe the same air and like yeah that, that sounds that is a little bit more forthcoming than the like than the other people because like the last time you didn't trust somebody it's because they literally wouldn't tell you the truth right yeah these guys are like here's everything take it read it be a part of us just also mm -hmm. don't let us die right um hammond of texas god bless that man um he will not give any military aid he's like this is not a situation where i can do that like I, I can't let you destroy a ship with a life form on it just because it might also destroy another life form like on accident it's not war they're not fighting yeah it's the circle of life at this point like yeah in its own sci-fi sci way yeah so uh jack and daniel just continue arguing about whether it's okay to blow the ship up or not um 
and they go back to the planet and they're still fighting and everything is awful and everyone's going to die. And then Jack is like, do you think the Napata reactor that we have here could be turned into a bomb? And Sam's like, I mean, I guess. And he's like, well, then I'm ordering you to do that. And no one is happy about this. Like, he doesn't feel very, seem very happy that he is doing it. Sam is very unhappy that she has to do it. Daniel is just, like, livid that no one will listen to him. Like, no one is happy. Yeah, no one, no one is happy this entire episode. And Teal'c is, like, weirdly apathetic. Yeah. For the entire episode. Like, Teal'c does not, Teal'c is just, like, accepting that people are going to die. He's just, like, there. He's feels nothing for the whole episode and I, I don't know it's very strange yeah last so this the last episode that you really did not like that i did was the window of opportunity which was the first episode written by these guys these two clearly have a very different take on the characters um which is evident in this episode as well because it, it, it's more in line with who we saw them as in the other episode. But I I don't know. I don't know if I like the direction they're taking Teal'c. Because it, it's very apathetic. Yeah, like, I understand the, like, apathy of, like, he grew up in, like, a war zone in war times. And, like, he was meant to not have super strong feelings but also like we've now developed him so much more as a character in the opposite direction that like right like we're erasing the character development we would have had yeah going this apathetic tilt whereas like 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 Tio, it doesn't of that, but it shouldn't be his whole personality anymore right like there's there should be a level of apathy to teal because he doesn't understand all of the concepts and because his internal motivation is to do the greater good no matter what the risk is or what the cost is but Teal'c just, like, standing by and letting a pregnant woman choose to, like, get suicide bombed instead of attempting to save herself feels wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but so Sam makes the, the bomb and they set it up. And Daniel is like, fuck it, I'm going to go talk to Lotan. Yep. Yep. Um... And Lotan is like, yeah, I tried to, like, live on the planet, and it just feels really wrong in my Encarn body. And Daniel's like, yeah, because you're going to die. And he was like, well, yeah, I'll be reintegrated. And he's like, do you want to die? He was like, what I want doesn't matter. I'm a robot. Like, I don't... What? Um... So Daniel convinces him to come see the planet and see what he's missing and enjoy his little uh, Encarn body while he has it. And um, Sam tells Jack that she thinks that they're not doing the right thing. And he's like, what do you want to do? Tell me to change my mind. And she's like, yes. Yeah. Like, exactly. That's exactly what I want you to do. And they have, like, an almost moment where it's, like, she wants so badly to be able to, like, actually just, like, talk to him the way she wants to talk to him. And she can't because they're actively on a mission and he's her boss. And she just, like, looks at him like, I have so many things I want to fucking say to you that I... Mm." (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
And Daniel and Lotan just like go for a stroll through the trees and talk about air and nature and it's weirdly like philosophic. Um, yeah, I I couldn't for the life of me like place it, but it felt very similar to a scene in a movie that I watched where like, but there was a like, complete like like drama film that was like very sad and it was like it was like a dad and a son type thing walking down the street and it's like i'm about to die so let me tell you how things are gonna go and i feel like it took that whole spin i was like this is so out of like see what it (laughs) you're absolutely correct because what it felt like to me is like those scenes in like the hallmark fall movies where they're walking through the apple orchard and the big city girl is like smelling the trees and being like I remember when I used to be here with my grandpa before life was complicated and I was just allowed to feel like that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. So, um, yep. 100%. Only, only with awkward ass Daniel Jackson being the one trying to get you to have feelings. Yeah. in a robot that's sentient or attempting to be. Um, so then they, um, Daniel and, Jack have like some passive aggressive arguing on the radio after Teal tells Jack that Daniel left. Um so but Daniel brings Lotan to the village to meet all the Incarns and mer- we learn about their real plight. And Lotan's like you brought me here to try to have sympathy. That's not in my programming. Goodbye. But as he's trying to leave, Daniel's like, just take me with you. And he does. Yeah. It's like, no one's listening to anyone. No one's following any type of rule pattern. Um, If this like, were anything else ever, except for the show, Daniel would be fucking dead right now. Yeah. Yeah. In no other show would Daniel have survived this episode. To be fair, he also would have been fired before this episode. Like, he would not have made it to this episode. I feel like, in general. I mean, yeah, but you think about how many shows have, like, a character that, like, how did they, like, how did House never get fired from the hospital? There's not not a chance in hell that that would still happen. Uh, My first thought was Castle. Why, why, with his attitude, do they still come to him to help solve crimes? Why would you want to work? He doesn't even work for them. They just voluntarily go and get his help. For what reason? He's an asshole. They're in love, Mary-Kate. In love, what is it? Trump solve? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't believe in love. Scrambled my brain. I don't believe in a lot of stuff. I will believe more when it's not as hot. Fair. Um, But um, Daniel... Oh, and Sam and Jack are, like, fucking panicking because they have less than five minutes to figure this out, and Daniel just left again. Great. Um, Daniel explains to Lotan what they're doing because... um, Lotan sees the bomb and is like, what's that? So um, then they do, in fact, run out of time. And Sam's like, what are we going to do? And Teal just goes, Daniel Jackson has made his choice, O'Neill. 
Yeah, it's like his what? choice to, like, to never be with the team again. That's what it sounded like. It was like he's, right. leaving, he's leaving us forever. Like Right. Like Daniel knew you were going to blow it up and went back to the ship anyway. So you got to kill him. Yeah. It's what? It feels like, that, a, like a that was the that was the moment that I was like, I don't know this Teal'c. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jack does, in fact, detonate the bomb anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. And Daniel still fights to reason with Lotan um, and convince him that he try it needs to try to stop to truly serve the Gadmir. He gives them him this whole long speech about how if the Gadmir are um, truly peaceful people and um, that Lotan is not there just to help create life. He's there to help keep the integrity of life and if the and they chose this planet because it had no sentience on it and so if the gadmir woke up and found out what happened it would ruin everything that they stand for as an entire civilization um so uh Lotan just like brings the bomb onto the ship and is like, okay, do you know how to stop it? And Daniel's like, I surely do not. Absolutely not. So they uh, let it go in the air like fireworks. So everyone is alive and everyone is saved, but not really because Lotan is very sad because he doesn't know what to do because he tells Daniel that they scanned millions of planets before finding this one. And it was the only one out of all of the millions of planets that the Gadmir would be able to live on because there were 2,634 parameter that needed to be met. What a needy fucking species. Yeah. Um, and Daniel's like, okay, well, maybe the Ankarans need a similar atmosphere, but not exactly the same. And he was like, were there any other planets that um, came close. Were, were close, like even came close? And he was like, well, there's this one. And it only had three parameters that it didn't meet. One was that it was too warm, which we talked at the beginning of the episode that the planet was getting too cold. Two was, I cannot even begin to remember. <laughs> and the third was that they already had sentient beings on this planet. So Daniel correctly deduces that this must be the original Encarn homeworld. So he and Lotan go down to the Hankarans and tell them what they've found out and that um, Lotan has agreed to take all of them in his big fancy spaceship and put them on their homeworld before letting the spaceship come back to finish terraforming this planet. Um, and they then has, has a whatever her name is, um, convinces Lotan that because he is in Karin, he should stay with them and live out the rest of his life, which 
is weird because he's a biomech AI, not like a computer AI, so he will get older and die. Right. But, um... Yeah. And he says yes. Yeah, I don't understand why it's such a big deal to have two types of sentient beings on the same planet. Like, I understand they need different, like, qualities of life. That's that's why. But if they don't well he's like there's already a sentient being on this planet that these people could also live on like why can't they both live there because the oxygenated atmosphere has to be destroyed in order for the sulfur-based um creatures to live on the planet so they wanted to find a planet that had no sentient life form so that the complete destruction of the terraform didn't kill anyone right but i'm saying for like this last time when they were talking about it like not with yeah. the, the new species they were like we were going to put them on this planet but it was too warm and it, it ends up being the planet they're going to anyways but like no no, no. they they were going to put the gadmir on that planet but they would have had to it would have killed whatever was on the planet oh well i don't understand why like the incarn couldn't have moved but i see now that they were incarn so it made sense to move them but yeah, like no they could no the incarn couldn't move there because it didn't have a stargate and and until lotan agreed to take them they had no way to put them there oh okay i see i see i was like i don't understand why this is such a big hangout like why they can't move there no but they it's because it's without issue. without the stargate no they had never been able to find this planet lotan right. scanner is the only reason they knew the planet even existed right 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 and which is why Lotan is sad that he didn't think of that solution without Daniel's help. Yeah. So, um, the only trivia I have for this episode was um, one, the facts about the Ankarans. And then the other is that um, all of Lotan's spaceship is actually Thor's spaceship from Nemesis, just with a new set dressing. That's so funny. And also, yeah. like, feels like the only financially responsible thing to do correct so, <laughs> so because this is the second episode in the season where you needed a massive spaceship right so yeah absolutely um who do you want to punch so here's the thing both who i want to punch and my mvp are the same person this week interesting, interesting choices um and they are both daniel jackson he drove me up the wall because he just kept affecting. He just kept it. He wasn't giving any reasoning. He was just like, I'm going to go take care of this. I'm going to go now. Also being like an asshole. He was like, Jack told yeah. me to find another choice. So technically I'm still following orders. Like he was being such a like Yeah. About it. And like, it's not, but the thing is like, he's also the baby because like, he's the reason they got, they all got saved. Like, yeah. so he saved the planet. But if he would have just like used a bit of communication, maybe like that would have been helpful. And so instead of just being like, cam out, like, and everybody's like, we're in the middle of like a 30 second bomb detonation. Like, I need to know like what's right. going on. Like, they're like, we have 50 minutes until the bomb has to be set off. And he's like, that's a good time to figure the shit out. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, there's five minutes left. Great. I'm going to go back to the ship too. And like, doesn't like speak to anyone other than saying that. Yeah. I'm like, you could have like. Like, I get that it's technically you can't, like, go against orders. So you can't, like, explain why you need to go against orders very well. But if you're going to just go against orders anyway, you may as well explain so everyone's not, like, freaking out. Like, 
don't know. So I was, I wanted to punch him in the face, but also he is the MVP because he's the reason they all survived. So absolutely. Um, the person I want to punch in the face is Teal'c because um, he literally told Jack it was cool to just blow Daniel up, which is so not correct. Yeah. Um, and my MVP is. Um, I'm going to say it's Lotan because um, he decided that not only would he do the right thing and find help, find a way to make sure both species stay alive, he like got to have his own feelings and grow and decide what he wanted to do and like choose to live a life that wasn't just reintegration with the ship. Yeah. yeah. And he was also, I feel like, better at communicating it than some of the other people like he was like this is why we have to do that he like explained everything it, yeah. like even if it wasn't great and there were other options he was like this is why we have to do this these are all of the reasons yeah. and like without that he didn't no one would have known how to like fight against it so yeah he like didn't lie he was like i it's unfortunate it's tough luck <laughs> when he said the fuck, that was so funny um but he was like it's unfortunate and i don't like it but it's what it is and unless we can and like it's not up to me. And then Daniel being Daniel is like, but make it up to you. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's not a very uh, long episode. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a very focused episode. So it wasn't like yeah. other than the, like, the exact thing we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Well, we did go on a very weird tangent about solver-based life forms. Well, um, I meant, like, the episode itself, like, we didn't go off to any other, like, go back to SGC. That's true. We didn't. We didn't go back and forth a ton of times. And when we did, they were really short, focused scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that has to do with the fact that, like, some of the characters had um, shit to do in the episode. Like, yeah. Poor, poor Teal'c, who was, I don't even know who he was this episode. Um, um, the, uh, the next week's episode is very weird. Oh, good. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any thoughts before we wrap this up i have no real thoughts i feel like i feel like i said a lot of things that didn't make sense in the episode but because i feel like this episode just was like weird i don't know like yeah it did it's it's not a it's not a bad episode it just wasn't yeah the most it wasn't the most like um part of it was because it wasn't like a crazy good episode but it also wasn't a bad episode i feel like if an episode is like bananas good you have so much to say and if it's like bananas bad you have so much to say that like the the decent episodes unless there's like a lot of tricky things happening they're kind of hard to talk about yeah it it doesn't feel like consistent like with what we've been watching like the character we talked about like so it's just kind of like it felt kind of like a place episode for me yeah, and and with a show that is more story of the week and not serialized, even though it has serialized elements, it is at its heart a story of the week sci-fi series. It there's not as much like conjecture. Yeah, so it, it there's not a lot to talk about. Um, yeah, but 
Taylor's makeup was looking real heavy again this week. I don't. Yeah. Occasionally, I think that they just like go way too hard with the eyeshadow, and I'm like, what is happening? I know. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I guess if you if you understand anything about um, any kind of life form that is not carbon based. Please, for the love of God, send us some information because we genuinely don't know what we're talking about. Um, And if you have anything else you'd like to share, you can go ahead and do that as well. Um, You can email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the social media at deathandaliens. You can follow me at, I almost said your Instagram instead of mine at E M K A Y underscore superstar. Yeah, you can find me at Gate at mine too. I'm sure I'll, I'll get it to her. <laughs> but but if you want to find us directly, you can find me at C E Cloud thirteen. And we will talk to you guys on Thursday for the second to last episode of the season of The Exorcist, and it is it is something. Something happens. Stuff happens. We'll see you then. Bye.